This is the Eating Well podcast number five on environmental control for Wednesday, October 19th, 2005. Welcome to the show. I'm Steve. And I'm Michelle. You can visit our website at eatingwellpodcast.blogspot.com. And you can subscribe to our show using the links on our website or in the iTunes Music Store. Our email address is eating.well at gmail.com. And we'd love to get your questions or comments, either as a regular email or you can record yourself and send us an mp3. The intro music is Groove It by Dennis Kitchen, part of the Podsafe Music Network, available at music.podshow.com. Check it out. Today's show topic is environmental control, something we've mentioned a lot in previous shows, and today we're really going to break it down and talk about it. And I always say this at the start of the podcast. Well, what is environmental control? What is, insert topic here, what is environmental control? Yeah, it's good to sit and actually explain what it is cause, because if we just throw a general term out there, people are not going to want to really sit and listen to the whole thing. Yeah, we've mentioned it quite a lot, and I think just about in every show it's come up in some fashion, so it seemed like a pretty good show topic. And it's kind of self-explanatory. You want to control your environment, but how do we do it? What are some tips and examples, and how does it benefit us, especially health-wise? Well, environment means the area around you, and that's sort of general, but that's what we're talking about is this area around you. It's the physical place that you're at or that you plan to be in, and it extends right from your body out to wherever you need it to extend. And it includes things like your home and your car and your job site or office, uh, any restaurants you might visit. Basically, any place you you plan to go can be considered your environment. And a few other places I wanted to add to that list are, you know, your your babysitter's house, your in-laws' house, your sister's house, places that are not necessarily your home, but you frequent often enough and feel comfortable there, and probably eat at a lot. Right, and that could be that could be a movie theater. If you're planning to go there, you know that uh, there's going to be some eating involved or other health-related, health-endangering things. You need to include that in part of your planning and environmental control. Absolutely. And when we're talking about control of that environment, we're not talking about now you're the general and you're going to tell everyone how it is. <laughs> Better not do that. You're going to get kicked out. You're not going to have many friends left. We're talking about... Well, it comes in two forms, really. You have additive and subtractive. Either you're bringing things into your environment because you want their influence on you, or you're removing yourself, other people, or things from your environment because you don't want their influence to be present, or you just want that that influence to be reduced. Right. And environmental control itself is really a behavior modification tool that you can use to help yourself make better decisions and change or encourage or discourage a particular behavior. 
Right. And, you know, environmental control is one of my favorite things to talk about when we when we are trying to influence our new desired lifestyle that we want to lead. Um, we are in control of it. You know, it's not about be, you know, being a control freak and, and making other people miserable or depriving yourself. It's about really creating the most supportive and conducive um, area around you to yield less struggles, less frustration, and just make things go more smoothly. Right. And we're talking about changing your behavior, not Absolutely. anyone else's. If someone else's behavior changes because of that, more the better. But we're talking about changing our own behavior. Yeah, we all know that we don't like others telling us what to do or what not to do. So keep in mind when you're trying to implement these changes, you don't want to start taking things out of your environment that aren't really yours. Right. One of my favorite functions of environmental control is is that it can help reduce decision anxiety. You get into a situation where uh, you hadn't really planned for this to happen and now you're having to look at making a decision between two things and you're not really sure and you're just hungry and you want to eat or you just want to relax because you're tired. Environmental control can play a big part in that. The reason we're bringing environmental control up to you is it can have a tremendous impact on your overall decision-making ability, your ability to eat healthy, nutritious diet and live a more active lifestyle instead of what most of your peers are doing. There are a number of places you can use environmental control to make better choices. Just as important is the fact that there are also a great number of choices you can influence in each environment where adding something or removing something from them would help you make that choice a better one. Yeah, let's get into some, some tips and examples about exactly what we're talking about, and I think that'll make a lot more sense, because that's, that's a great uh, point you're making. For example... Okay, so let's just first talk, talk about things you want to add to your environment to make it more um, likely to be successful when you're, when you're looking to live a healthier life or lose weight or manage your weight, right? A few that I always point out to people is that if you have things around that you can eat, you'll eat them right? Healthy options. If they're not there, you cannot choose them. You know, if you don't have them with you, you're forced to be what I call a food finder, right? right. So you have to search for food and oftentimes that's going to be in the form of driving through something convenient or finding snacks in a vending machine. So we want to make sure that we want to, we want to make sure that we're adding healthy, you know, fruits and vegetables to our environment, be it our home, our car, our office, um, all the time that, right. so that we can choose them. And you need to make it as convenient as possible because there are plenty of uh, companies and people trying to make available as convenient as possible choices that are not so great. And that's we're kind of trying to counter that by bringing things in, making them available in even a more convenient fashion so that they seem the, the easier choice to make. You know, this is absolutely absolutely right. Um, there's people out there that are happy to just go buy a bunch of apples and oranges and vegetables in general and wash them and cut them and prepare them and and do all this um, you know work to to be able to eat them. I'm a huge proponent of spending a few extra bucks each time I shop and buying things that are ready washed, ready cut, um, and re just ready to eat. Um, so it does cost a little bit more, but the the key here is you know, have a huge fruit bowl on your counter all the time. Have a salad of fruit or a salad of vegetables in your refrigerator cut up. So all you need to do is open the door, pull out a fork, and start eating it at all times. Right. Yeah, It's it's that's an example of additive environmental control. 
this is something we want to add to our diet. We want to choose this instead of something, you know, roommate's leftovers or, uh, you know, something you brought home from work or your significant other brought home from work. And the, the way to do that, the way to make that at least an option is to have the alternative available. You still might choose the otherwise, but you've influenced the decision-making process as best you can. And you know, I live a perfect example of this. I live with four other people in this house that um, typically eat out fast food or left. They bring home leftovers, so it's not unusual for me to open my refrigerator and have to pull out uh, an extra pizza box with leftovers in it to get to my fruit. But if I know it's in there, cut up and ready to eat, I'm more likely to take it out, put the pizza back, and then eat the fruit. If the fruit's not there, I'll open the refrigerator and say, "Hmm, pizza." Right. <laughs> right? So it makes a really big difference. The other thing you can add food-wise is to bring lots of easy-to-cook, easy-to-prepare lean meats, sliced turkey, frozen chicken tenders, veggie burgers, whatever you'd like to have, whatever you prefer, and low-calorie, low-sodium canned fruits and vegetables in your office or wherever you happen to be working so that you could turn to them uh, as last resort. And you know, it's funny, it is important to have the low calorie and low sodium options because things are packed in juices for preservation. So just make sure that you empty off of the juices and, and rinse them off. And, and it's funny, I keep like canned green beans in my office and it doesn't always sound the most appealing, but in a pinch when you don't want to go out and grab a burger or something, open them up, drain them off and eat them. They're a fine little snack. Right. And then you can pack some like higher calorie higher calorie fruits that are going to be preservable in your car, things like nuts and grains and, you know, seeds or something like that. And that can really hold you over if you're going to be away from your normal environment for a good long time. Right. You know, even just keep, keeping some crackers on hand, but make sure that things that you have around are going to be quality foods. We want whole grains, um, things that are not packed full of extra salts and sugars and preservatives and, um, you know, just have them on hand in your car, in your office, in your home. Wherever you're going to be, they should be with you at any given time. Right. That's do yourself key. a favor. Do yourself a favor and make sure that they're good quality foods and that's those are the ones you're choosing to keep around. It doesn't do you any benefit to, you know, pack in some saltines because they're really not a very quality food and they have lots of salt. So those aren't the kind of examples we're talking about. Exactly. And I think we started talking a minute ago about um, having vegetables on stock as well, vegetables in stock or, or on hand as well. And I just would really want to emphasize that one. I'm not talking about having a head of broccoli in your crisper or a, uh, a lettuce head, a head of lettuce. I'm talking about ready-to-eat carrots or celery sticks, um, broccoli that's already cut up. And not that you're going to dip it in a cheese sauce or dip it in ranch, but just something that you're willing to, to grab and go. Grab it and take it with you. I think I mentioned that I use those 16-ounce uh, bags of baby carrots. Yes. I take those things everywhere. I've got some in my car right now. Um, <laughs> and I take them to work for lunch because even if I don't eat all of them or anything like that, they're terribly durable. And they, you don't need to put anything on them because carrots are pretty sweet. And I just, I just like carrots. So that's what I take. So, I mean. And you've been doing this for a while, haven't you? Oh, yeah. You're not tired of carrots? Nope. I don't think I'll ever be tired of carrots. I really do like them. And it's something I kind of rely on because after you eat 16 ounces of carrots, boy, you're full. It really sticks to you. Yeah. So 
It's I, good. It's good that you like them because I've been doing this for a number of years, and, and oftentimes that's my first retort is, you know, carrots are easy. They're delicious. And people are like, you know, if I eat another carrot, I'm going to turn orange. Well. <laughs> but you don't seem to look orange. You're okay. No, I'm okay. I like them. <laughs> um, and then there's some other things you, you'll want to add into your environment to just um, stay on a positive health note in other areas, like keeping tennis shoes in your car, keeping an extra pair under your desk, so that if you decide to make time during your workday to go on a walk, you cannot use your shoes as an excuse. And this is especially for the ladies out there. Yeah. You know, you want to have comfortable walking shoes, whether it be for a five-minute walk, a 10-minute walk, um, throw them on, take a couple laps around the block, and come back. You're refreshed. And that's really a different turn on the environmental control. We're not talking about what you're eating now. Right. We're talking about a very different sort of behavior. This is, am I willing to, during my work day or during my day, head out and get some physical activity, either walking or stair climbing or whatever it is, when normally I just kind of, you know, goof around in the employee lounge or whatever it is. Right. This is, this is trying to influence your ability or your willingness to go out and get some exercise, which would be very beneficial for you because, you know, I don't know how many people in your office go out and walk during their break or during their lunch, but I'm the only one. Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily I work with other women who are, are health-minded as well. But I want to just point something out. If you think of this as your walk to get exercise, it might be something to encourage you. It might be something to discourage you. So I, I also want to point out that it might be a nice time to just get away from the phones um, clear your head and realize that the world is not going to collapse around you if you're gone for 10 minutes. You right. Know, you know, getting out for a few minutes to get some fresh air and clear your head, you can come back to your desk a lot more productive. Um, a lot of people, you know, keep in mind we're, we're doing this from San Diego, so a big excuse I hear is, well, it's too hot out there, I don't want to get sweaty, and then have to come back to my desk and sit there sweaty. So, you know, keep in mind you might want to do this in your early morning break or um, if you live somewhere where it's not so hot, it's not as... Um, you know, just do it during a break where you're not going to have to get sweaty and worry about the way your clothes are going to feel afterwards. And some people live where it snows and there's lots of ice on the ground. You can walk indoors, go into the fire the fire exit and walk up and down that staircase. Yeah. That's that's excellent PA right there. And I know some of you out there listening are going to think that we're just crazy, like, yeah, right, I'm going to go smoke a cigarette or eat something in the lounge. But this is exactly what we're talking about. We want to change the way we perceive our health. We want to get out and move around and eat healthier. And this is the way it has to happen. You have to right. make changes. If it's important to you and the results are important to you or preserving results you've already achieved is important to you, these are the kind of lifestyle decision changes that you're going to make. And uh, if you're like me and you do live somewhere where it's warm and you don't want to come back to your desk sweaty, I oftentimes will not walk when it's too hot out. Um, a follow-up plan to the same idea is to keep gym clothes in a bag in your car. If you have them with you, you're more inclined to stop on the way home and get some exercise in. If it's not with you and you're in your work clothes, you're definitely not going to stop. That's right. You can't count on, oh, I've got a locker at the gym, but I didn't change those clothes out for a while, so they're a little funky. I don't want to go there and deal with that. Um, you know, there's lots of, you can make an excuse to get out of doing anything. We've sort of got a culture that encourages that, you know. Uh, I can find an excuse to justify or uh, 
prevent myself from doing any any behavior. Right. I think we've all been there, done that. And, you know, the thing is, is just having clean clothes on hand, having them laid out. Like, for me, if I have to find my gym clothes, that will be a deterrent enough right there to not go to the gym. I so agree. have things in a bag ready to go. I've even had patients in the past who sleep in their gym clothes so they can wake up, brush their teeth, put their shoes on, and go to the gym. Boy, that's a, that's a pretty <laughs> sneaky trick. <laughs> that's commitment for you because they know if they're – just sitting there, they're not going to take the extra step to put them on and go. So that's just something to make them go. I love it. That's a great one. Um, so, so the last two things I just wanted to mention with additive environmental control are that you want to track your progress. Steve has mentioned this in previous podcasts that if you don't keep track, you don't really have an objective record of your success and how you're doing with your progress. So I highly recommend this with envi additive environmental control as well. You probably want to make a list of things, but writing things down that you know writing thing writing it down when you do exercise and journaling it so that at the end of the day you can say wow i walked twice today right and, and feel, it, feel proud of yourself and it's important to go back and look and kind of you know uh tally up your score for that day what's the point of just writing it down for writing it down sake you need to go back and look and say okay here's what this here's worked here's what worked here's what didn't here's where my results for the day and even better than that is to check it several times a day and kind of give yourself a running score, calories and physical activity and so forth, so that you can make decisions for the rest of that day. You might decide that, uh, oh, I need to, uh, you know, skip that brownie that I'm going to have at dinner because I've already consumed too many calories. <laughs> I'm smiling at Steve right now because he knows the brownie thing is my thing. Uh, the brownie is my thing. <laughs> um, and yeah, and just to go a step beyond this, with the journaling, you might want to also note how you feel. Did you feel rejuvenated? Did you feel energetic? Like, is this something that's going to encourage you to do it again? And just remind yourself that, yeah, you know, it was just 10 minutes and, and my work was still on my desk waiting for me when I got back. And it was very doable. And I know in particular for me, it's not so much the doing of the exercise. It's that decision to start doing the exercise that's much worse than actually doing it. You know, uh, all the uh, all the anticipation and preparation, and once you start doing it, oh, it's not as bad as you had built it up to be in your own mind. Even though this is not something you've never done before, right, right, you're still like, yeah, I still get that little bit of dread right before. Oh, oh, it's time for that. <laughs> but you know, you get your shoes on and you get moving. And you're like, okay, I'm done already. You know, yeah. it's not that big a deal. The last thing I just wanted to mention is to um, add yourself into your calendar, into your planner each day. Um, this is a big one for me. I mean, we get so busy during our days and our routine just takes over before you know it. It can be 10 o'clock at night. So if you are one to refer to your, your calendar often, I highly encourage you to schedule yourself into your day. It's an excellent tip. Uh, you might want to just schedule all sorts of extra things in that you may not include. Everyone puts, you know, meeting with the boss down or, you know, uh, committee meeting at 7.30, whatever. You need to include things like, I need this amount of time to get my lunch and a little bit of walking in. I need this amount of time for, you know, to plan out what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen next week. And a lot of people really include that thing already, 
but you can add the particular focus of these are my health needs and my environmental control needs that need some time and need some consideration and therefore need to be planned out. Yeah, you write down your doctor's appointments and your dental appointments and your haircuts and, and this is a little more tedious because it's on a daily basis, but you know, oftentimes we have, well I shouldn't say oftentimes, sometimes people have boring jobs or jobs where your lunch time uh, is scheduled into your day, but others it's up to you. So I hear all the time, you know, I got so busy I forgot to eat or, you know, before I knew it, it was time to go home and I didn't get my exercise in. So this is just a way to look at your calendar or something can pop up on your computer and say, ding, time to have lunch or ding, time to eat your fruit or time to go on your walk, you know, and just put things down and go do it. Don't ignore it. Right. Whatever you're doing, it can probably wait for 10 minutes or 15 minutes if you're really tough <laughs> and, uh, and go get your walk. Yep. You're still going to have plenty of time to goof around at the at the water bottle vending machine with all of your friends. <laughs> I almost right. said something else. <laughs> well, let's switch gears and talk about subtractive environmental control. I mean, there's, like Steve mentioned earlier, you can either take foods or things out of your environment or you can take yourself away from an environment. Um, the first um, area we'll probably talk about is just getting foods out of your environment. And Take these we're, we're talking about the big hitters, the things that you know there's just not not a need for in your environment at all. Uh, maybe that uh, maybe they're the cookies or the chips or something that you have a particular weakness for. Whatever it is, your favorite thing, don't buy it. Don't bring it around. If you do want to have it, you know, you get one portion, go buy one portion, have that, and be done with it. You had it. And, you know, and we all have different favorites. You know, I talk about this a lot. I have two in particular, um, ice cream and bread. So I am not allowed to bring home any amount of ice cream, whether it be a pint or a gallon or the bucket size. Um, if I want ice cream, it's to go to the ice cream shop, order a portion, and eat it there. Right. You're not bringing it back with you. You're not taking it anywhere else. It's very, that's very good environmental control. You've subtracted that from your environment. Someone else might bring it around, in which case you can jump all over them. But, <laughs> you know. Well, we kind of talked about that earlier. We're right. going to make enemies if we do that. So I just hope that if my roommates bring home ice cream, it's something that I don't like. <laughs> now, that's, that's something else. You ha might have a favorite. And let's say, for example, that you're going to a party. And you know that or you've been tasked with bringing the cookies. Don't buy the kind that you really like. Very go get good some tip. go get some other kind and bring those. Yeah. That way they can sit around and they're not going to be calling to you. Now there might be something else there you like, but that's not something that you can control. You've been tasked with bringing the cookies. You can bring a kind that you know you're not attracted to. And you know, give me something that people like in general, but it's not your favorite. Yeah. That's a huge key. Never bring home your favorite ice cream, your favorite bread, your favorite cookie to any event. And hopefully you can you can feel confident to stand up and say, you know, I'd really like to bring the veggie platter, you know? Oh yeah. And you know, if there's a veggie platter, people are going to eat it. I've not been to an event yet where at the end of the day, the veggie platter was still piled high. I highly agree. And you know, if you bring it for you to eat so that you know that there's going to be something healthy to choose from, 
it's a very good chance that others are going to eat it as well. And, and I see this all the time because I, I always volunteer to bring in the fruits and the vegetables myself. And, and those are the first to go because yeah. people are not used to eating them. They're used to eating the cookies and the chips because those are always around. Yeah, everybody brings a bag of chips and everybody being somebody is somebody's gonna bring a bag of chips, somebody's gonna bring a two little bottle of, you know, soda. full sugar soda. <laughs> you can just count on that. If there's enough people there, that's gonna be there. Don't have to worry about it. So make sure make it your job to bring something that you know is good. And that's a little more additive, but the idea is is still good. Another thing I really like to do is, um, you know, when there's going to be people in your home that eat foods that you would like to eat, but it's not so practical to remove them all together, is to hide them. <laughs> so one way I do this is I'm a big cheese person as well. So I will wrap it in a brown paper bag and then put it in the drawer or in the back of the shelf. Not so that they forget that it's there, but if the first thing I do is I open up the fridge and see a big block of cheese there and I'm starving, what am I going to do? I'm going to take it out and bite a piece off. <laughs> right. It's just kind of putting it out of sight so that other things stand out and attracts your eye. It's kind of a little reminder. Oh, yeah, there's something there that I really shouldn't have. And here's this big bowl of fruit that I should have. Right, right. And even if you write cheese on the bag, like you, just, you don't forget the cheese is there. It just isn't that Tillamook or something that's just going right. to call your name thing. Mm. Right. You might want to put a date on that also. Just... <laughs> just for uh, preservation purposes. You can also have a separate part of the kitchen, a separate shelf, a separate cupboard that's for you and your things, particularly if you're trying to do some weight management or weight loss and the rest of the family or the roommates or whatever don't participate in eating those particular foods. This way, you don't have to claw past the six bags of Doritos to get to whatever it is you're after. It's right there. You know that this is your sh shelf, this is your space, this is your little controlled environment inside of a much larger out-of-control environment. Yeah, it's ideal if you can have your very own space with just your healthy options. Um, if it's not the case, a, a shelf will do. Like Steve was mentioning, you don't want to have to you know, pull out the Oreos to get them out of the way to get to your can of fruit or your shake mix or your tea or whatever whatever it is. Um, if you're starving and you didn't plan well and, and you, know, you find yourself really hungry, you don't want to grab the most convenient thing that's not part of your plan and have to move it to get something to actually prepare. It's not likely going to happen. And if, if you're setting up a situation like that, even if it's a very small space, you really have to maintain control of it. Sometimes people uh, don't realize the importance of it once you've established it. And so they may try and invade it or take things in and out of that space. And you you might find a little bit of personal conflict at first until you establish that these are the rules for my space and I need to control it. And that's, I mean, most people don't have that sort of space. So the people around you might need some adjustment time to get used to that idea that, you know, you're serious about this and this is your space and what goes in there and what doesn't go in there matters a lot to you. And, and, you know, we've talked a little bit about roommates, but this also I hear across the board with uh, families that have a spouse or a sibling or children, whether they be small children or teenagers. It's just something that needs to be brought up once in a while and just remind them, like, you know, not to be bossy or controlling, but this is what I need you to do to help me um, in my weight management efforts. Or in my general health, or in my health maintenance, or whatever it is, whatever the behavior is. I mean, again, we can talk about this in a very different sort of decision.
This is the space where I keep uh, my gym clothes and my shoes right by the door so that I don't forget to take them with me when I'm going to work. Right. Or, you know, and if it's if it's something obtrusive, you might want to make a compromise, but you gotta you gotta try and influence the, the environment to allow these things to happen. It's important to you. You need to stand up for it. I agree. I agree very much. Um, the last direction we want to take with this is um, taking yourself away from particular environments. A big one is when you're first starting to make these changes, you start to realize how much we socialize around food. You know, like you mentioned earlier, we go to the movies, we go to restaurants. If we want to meet a friend, what is it? What is the first thing you say? Well, let's meet for lunch. Let's meet for dinner. Right. There's lots of social and cultural events that are specifically focused around a big food uh, a par- portion, a big food event, like a wedding. There's always the reception dinner, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 just a given. And so, there's there's lots of you're not going to decline going to the wedding. No, you can't. No, you can't. But well, you could. <laughs> but well, you probably shouldn't. It depends, right? Right. It's funny while we're talking about this, I'm remembering that um, I have a girlfriend here in San Diego that uh, is very health conscious as well, leads a really healthy lifestyle, and I got an invitation from her yesterday, an unusual one. She said, "Let's meet up on Saturday and go to a a yoga competition." Yoga competition. Yoga competition. You know, it's something someone I haven't seen in a while and we need to catch up. And the first thing you would want to say is, well, let's meet for coffee or let's meet for lunch. And I'm like, this is awesome. And I, it just occurred to me that this is one of my health conscious friends. It makes perfect sense. Or I'll, sometimes we'll say, let's go meet for a walk. You know, let's yeah, walk that's ar- a great one. Let's go walk around the lake and then we'll catch up. Right. That's excellent. If you can catch up with someone, well, you know, it, I've, I've got a few friends that are not so healthy and so... I, I've offered a number of times for them to go out for a walk, you know, and they're like, yeah, mm, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, let's not do that. But, you know, at least I put it out there to them. And, you know, I hear on a regular basis that people say, I have a long-standing lunch with my buddies at the poker club or, you know, every Thursday night we meet for movie and an ice cream. Um, so it's it's really um, a culture of socializing around food. We make everything about food. So my point is, it is okay to decline invitations if it's going to be too challenging. If it's going to bring up too much decision anxiety, you can say no. You can you can meet them after. If it's the girlfriends that always meet for pizza on Wednesdays, you know, meet up with them when they're done eating, just in time when they're clearing the plates. And there's some other ways that that you can handle that. Another great one is. If you know that you're being like invited out to dinner, you can still go out to that event and then before the food comes, you go for a walk, you go make a phone call, you know, whatever it is, you go out to your car and play with the radio for 10 minutes. If that's all you can come up with, if it's too cold or too hot to do anything else, go go play with the radio or something like that. Just take yourself out of that environment and then 10 minutes later you stroll back in, everyone should be done eating and you know, it'll be seamless to them because they're going to be occupied stuffing food in their head and you won't have to be there for that. You know, I've actually experimented with this um, several times in different environments, whether it be at a restaurant or a wedding reception or a company function. Um, Sometimes I'll say I have to make a phone call or that I need to use the restroom and I'll come back and there's a plate of food waiting for me. And um, you just ask the the wait staff to clear it for you, you know, almost immediately and be discreet about it. And at first you think everyone's going to notice, like, why aren't you eating? What's going on? 
But in all actuality, no one really notices. Like Steve was just mentioning, they're so busy talking and eating themselves that they don't really notice. Yeah, I, if you don't make a big deal out of it, no one else will either. Yeah. Um, along these same or similar lines is that if you want to go to a meeting or, um, you know, a restaurant with a friend, but you know it's going to get you in trouble calorie-wise or, you know, food-wise in general, um, go full. Already eat before you go to the to the event. And an excuse I like to use with people that don't know that you're on a diet or you're trying to watch your weight is... Um, just go and tell them that it's important that you were at this meeting and order a cup of tea and tell them you weren't feeling well. Right. If you go there and say, oh, I'm on a diet, I cannot eat, they're going to be, oh, what are you doing? What are you not doing? Where'd you hear about that? Is it working? Instead of having the meeting or discussion with your friend or whatever the case may be, the whole topic of conversation turns towards what you're doing and why are you doing it. Right. And that's sort of, if you say you're ill and you just want some tea, it sort of diffuses it. It's no longer an issue. It, it doesn't allow the topic to come up. Yeah, and you don't want to make a big deal and say, oh, I have this huge stomach virus. You know, it's just, oh, I'm not feeling well. I'm going to get a cup of tea, but I really wanted to be here today. Right. That's excellent. Another one, if you know that you're going to go somewhere and this is an important event, and let's say the food is something that's important, a social thing, you got to have a slice of grandma's pie. <laughs> oh. Right. So you can do a number of things. You can plan for this in your meal planning. You can right. say, okay, I need to have... 1200 calories here at dinner right so you can try that or if it's something that you're going specifically to this is why we're going you can eat before you go so that you're not famished when you get there right you can you can eat before you go so that you're not famished when you get there <laughs> You know, and that's important because sometimes it is about the food. You know, oftentimes we make it about the food and it doesn't need to be, but sometimes it really is about the food. And I'd love it for you to just, I'd love for you to just go, enjoy it, have a great time, eat whatever it is guilt-free, but you don't have to eat the, all of Grandma's pie. You can have right. a few bites and say, great, Grandma, that was delicious. I got, uh, I got nailed by a friend of mine. He's, he's at culinary school. He's learning to bake pastries and cakes. He's got his final for the cake make. I'm not sure what it is. The cake making final. Cool. And he has this big party. And I didn't know ahead of time that this was what this was. He's having a party for his final. He's going to graduate, all of these things. And he invites a bunch of people over. Didn't occur to me that he was bringing his final project home. <laughs> the cake tasting pastry party. Oh, and so he's passing it out. And everyone's goo-gooing and guying over this cake. And I was like, uh-oh. Looks like I'm going to have to have a piece of cake. And, you know, I did. I have a piece of cake, but I made sure it was a small one. Fortunately, you know, just just by luck, I had eaten before I had gone. So, I mean, and it did, it did take a lot of the pressure off for having a piece of cake, you know. Everyone uh, really enjoyed the cake. And you know what? Hats off to you, Mike. That was an excellent cake. <laughs> But you ambushed me with cake. <laughs> but you know, I bet you really enjoyed it. It wasn't just like you had a piece of extra cake sitting around the break room at work. This was a special event. Right. Really this special. wasn't this wasn't mindless eating. It was, you know, uh, and it meant a lot to him for me to have it. And I mean, it's not that's not an excuse necessarily, but it did mean a lot for him to for me to have a piece of his cake. That's awesome. And you know, when we're eating extra foods like this that are not really part of our nutrition and what we need. Um, as long as you're truly enjoying them and you're thinking about it and it's part of your plan, 
that's the way we should use them. We should have them. It's when we're eating in front of the television, we're eating because we're lonely, we're eating for all the wrong reasons, and we're not even hungry, and all these calories are sneaking their way into our day and night. That's what gets us in trouble, and yep. that's why you know 65% of us are overweight right now. And if you let's and like in my case, you have that piece of cake that needs to get put in your food record if you're keeping them. That's not just invisible calories because you didn't plan to have it. Right, they that count. That gets on the record. They do count, absolutely. So now I'm going to bring some in the news items. The Florida Star Banner is running running a profile on Lynn Fisher called Eating Right. And I've got a couple of quotes from that article. It says, It is important to set aside the fad diets and focus on eating to maximize nutrition. And, quote, The more diverse your diet, the greater the chances you are getting the nutrients you need. For a 2,000 calorie a day diet, the Department of Health and Human Services and the U.S. Department of Agriculture recommends two cups of fruit and two and a half cups of vegetables. In that amount, you should aim for as much variety as possible. Only 200 of those calories should come from saturated fat and 250 more from unsaturated fat found in fish, nuts, and vegetable oils. And it may seem overwhelming to think that you can eat that much, but Fisher recommends making a green leafy salad with different foods such as carrots, beans, beets, raisins, and sunflower seeds to help you maximize your variety. Grocery stores now offer plenty of pre-chopped fruits and vegetables and bagged greens to help make it a no-brainer." You know, a lot of you out there that are listening um, may want to just keep it simple, and I really like this, this author's um, point to add variety and diversity, and that's what you just want to focus on. Getting in fruits and vegetables in the first place could be a great step. Others of you out there are going to want to break it down to the nitty-gritty and know how many calories of fat and how many grams of carbs and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you decide where you're at with this. You know, feel free to send in questions and ask us. You know, Simple questions like, how am I supposed to get in five fruits and vegetables in a day if I don't really like them? Down to, you know, how many grams of fiber in some other vegetable? So there's everyone out there on each end of the spectrum and everywhere in between. Right. And, you know, it doesn't matter where you start as long as you start. I mean, I figure if you're reading this podcast or listening to this podcast, you have some interest in this. I mean, you wouldn't be listening this far if you didn't have some interest in improving your health by eating well and making better decisions so wherever you're at that's pretty good and I'm sure that you can find something here to help you get better at it you know and I love it when people come to me um, and want to and want to start getting on track with their health last week in particular two examples that come to mind I have a patient who's losing weight for the fourth time and I know people can relate to that and it's because of the grandkids I have another woman I was helping with strength training she's 78 years old yeah now she has time well it's never too late never too late to make a decision or start making decisions that were going to improve your health well I hope you enjoyed the show and thanks for listening we enjoy your feedback and your questions so please write us if you have the time we'll see you next time eat well music is so funky it stinks by furious ball part of the podsafe music network available at music.podshow.com i'd like to put a special thanks out there to ourmedia.org 
and archive.org for hosting the podcast uh, number four and number five. They've been tremendously helpful to us. Thanks, guys. If you would like to get some free hosting for your podcast or other blog, you should really check out ourmedia.org. And we've, well, like, I, like you said before, we've... How does it benefit us? I need to pause it right now. It's really a... Right, right, right. Um, frozen or canned fruit. I have two in particular. I have two in particular. Ice cream is going to be bad. Yeah, just let it go. This is you. This is the space where I keep... We're talking about environmental control. Ready to eat carrots. Ready to eat carrots. Uh, ready to eat carrots. It doesn't really eat. So we have anything else here? We go right to news. News. Okay.